Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. I am really, really happy today to introduce somebody special. Um, it's funny that Antoine, Pastor Antoine and I have been friends now for several months, but we had never met in person until Friday about midnight, okay? He drove, they drove, he and one of his disciples, Tim, and his son, Gavin, they drove all the way up from D-Land, Florida. Anybody know where D-Land is? Between Daytona Beach and Orlando. It's a great place, all right? And Pastor Antoine is the lead pastor of Arise Church there in D-Land, but uh, really special to me is that Pastor Antoine is part of my small group. Turn to somebody and say, you need to be in a small group. <laughs> Woo, we had a good small group workshop on Friday. We're launching small groups next week, by the way, so stay tuned for that. It's going to be awesome. But Pastor Antoine is part of my small group where uh, Pastor Joel Stockstill mentors uh, a handful of pastors. So we've become friends through FaceTime, and now... Pastor Antoine Ashley is here with us. I want you to give him the very best Southern hospitality welcome today to Pastor Antoine Ashley. Praise God. Praise God. I'm excited to be here. And listen, I fell in love with ATL this weekend. So um, I love it. I am so glad to be here with you guys. And um, I love the energy that's in this room. I love the, the, the presence of God in here. I love just a, it's, it's popping in here. You know, and um, it's just, it's good energy. And um, you guys, Pastor Liz and, and, and Hunter, you guys have something awesome working here. Like, I love it. The energy, this energy that you guys have is like the energy that the people who built the Tower of Babel had. That God said they're going to actually do what they're looking to do because they're so unified. Now, we know that they were doing something wrong, but God said they were so unified that he had to come and stop. What they were, they were actually going to accomplish it. And so I just want to say, like, you guys have a unity and a, your team. Just everything about what's happening here is it's unstoppable. And so this is the place to be. If you are kind of wrestling, do I need to be in this church? Do I need to be committed? This, if, if I were here, I would submit in this church. Because this, this is where I'm telling you, y'all have something awesome working here. So... Very glad about it. I want to um, just, if I can, just give a couple minutes um, and just invite up Timothy here. Timothy um, is a spiritual son of mine. I actually came into his life in seventh grade. Our church used to have a, a Bible school, and he was in seventh grade at the time. He didn't want to follow Jesus, and he didn't like me. <laughs> he didn't like me, but I just wanted, you know, he didn't even, I didn't even tell him I was going to do this, but if just... Wanting to share, just to greet the people, and there's anything that you have in your heart, you can just share. Y'all, welcome, Timothy. Thank you, thank you. No, honestly, it's, it's really just been so great to come here, and, like, I was telling him that, like, the energy that you guys all have is just, it's insane. Like, if you don't want to worship, and you come up into the here, and you guys start worshiping, it's like, it's like, who's, who's, <laughs> like, Who's, who's my man on the drums? Where you at? Right there. My man. Like, while you over there drumming, I was like, okay, listen. Even if I didn't want to worship right now, you got it. Like, you was over there feeling it. I was like, man, if somebody don't want to worship, you better. <laughs> like, listen. But no, you guys, you seriously are great. And um, you guys have been so hospitable to us and so just amazing. And we are so grateful. And... You know, what you guys are doing here, it's just obvious that there is an anointing in this building, and there is just a spirit of servanthood, and, like, every single person here has a smile on their face, and, like, everybody wants to be here, and it's just, it's an amazing environment, and this city is incredibly lucky to have the Encounter Church in it, and I'm so excited to keep up with you guys and to see where this church goes, 
and you know, tear down the walls and because that space back there is unnecessary. But <laughs> but seriously, thank you guys. Like, I love all you guys already. You're incredible, and just thank you for having us. Amen. Huh? Yeah. Oh, and he's 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 single, ladies. So you know. Just, you know, hey, we, 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 we believe in love and marriage and, you know, we believe in it. So, you know, I have his number too if you need it. So, <laughs> oh my, <laughs> all right. <laughs> wow. How many of you guys are ready for the word of God? Amen. Amen. So. I've been in the book of Revelation, and God has been speaking to me, and, and I have some things I want to share to, with you. And so let's look at the book of Revelation. I have the ESV um, version here. By the way, I want to know how to do that church app, that, that Bible app thing, because that's awesome. Yeah, I love that. Um, so let's look at the book of Revelation. We're going to read chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to move into some things. But it says, the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads. Let's read this together if you have it. It says, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. I love the book of Revelation because it is typically viewed as a scary book. And people tend to get like very tense when anything is written or read from the book of Revelation. But the Bible says, blessed is he who reads it. You're blessed to read this book and you're blessed to keep the words that is in this book because the time is near. And if y'all are not paying attention to what's happening in our times, God is speaking. And I have been very encouraged um, to know that God has an answer to everything that's happening right now. You know, um, CNN doesn't have the answer. Fox News doesn't have the answer. And a lot of Facebook prophets don't have the answer. (laughs) Right? There's a lot of prophets online and, you know, and, and I, we got this thing at our church that some people are prophet trying. Some people are prophet lying. <laughs> we need some people to be prophesying. Amen. And so um, I, I want to share this with you because I've been encouraged to read the book of Revelation over this past few months because... It is encouraging to know that God has already been in the end and he's already written the end for us where we are today. And so because God is beyond time, God is not, there is no time with God. He's eternal. There's no beginning or end with God. God has already seen the end. And because he's seen the end, what he says is sure. You know, when God prophesies something to you, it's not an idea or some random thought. God is not right here in our time walking with us. God is beyond time. He's already seen our time. And so when he says something, it's sure. Y'all ever, y'all ever seen um, the Michael Jackson video when he walked and the ground lit up? I forget, I forget, which, <laughs> I forget which video that is. But, but the point is, when God is saying something, he's speaking it's not an idea that's maybe, it's, it's, a, it's a seen reality that he's already worked out. So God is sure he's true. I find it amazing that God has already told us how the world is going to end. Because he's already seen it. He's already experienced it. He is the one who was, who is, and who is to come. He's eternal, which means he is present in the past and he's present in the future and he's present in the now. And so when God is speaking something to us, it's important for us to to pay attention and grab a hold of it because you're going to make it through this time because there's a sure word of what God is doing. 
There may be some who, who won't. There may be some who may fall by the wayside. But God wants to give you something to, to, to move through this time so that other pe- you can give this to other people that they can have a hope in the future as well. Yeah. And so I want to share just a few things with you. And, and, and I wrote this message to say, look, church, look, because you guys are a people who are going to constantly encounter the Lord. And one of the things, and it's, it's just the ID, it's the identity of your church, it's the name of your church, you are Encounter Church. And so you're going to constantly encounter the Lord. One of the things I want to share with you this morning is how to maintain that encounter. I want to share with you how to encounter the Lord in this time. And I want you to, I also want to give you some things that's going to help navigate you through the times to come. Because I'm telling you, like, it doesn't matter what happens in November. It does not matter what happens next year and the year after that. Whatever happens, we are going to make it through this thing. Can you say amen? Amen. We're going to make it through. And the way we're going to make it through is because we're holding on to something that God has given and is sure. So we we look here. He says this. I want to talk to you about uh, about the church first of all. You know, we are in a grace period where God's tool is the church. God is using his local body um, to be his tool in the earth so, so that men might be saved, men might be transformed, so forth and so on. The church is God's tool, and we only have so much time. When you read the book of Revelation, I'm going to share seven things with you really quick that God says to the church that we must hear today and live out today because we don't have that much time. You know, a lot of times we, we seem to think the church is the entire kingdom of God, and it's not. The church has a moment, and after that moment is over, then God is going to switch up and do a different thing in his kingdom. And so the church isn't the kingdom, however it is in the kingdom. And so the church has so much time. This is why you and I, we have to receive an encounter, and then we also have to release an encounter. We have to receive an encounter, and we have to release an encounter. And so I want to give you seven things really quick, and then we're going to move into another phase. But in the book of Revelation, Revelation 1, 2, and 3 is all about the church. After the, book of Re- after the, chapter, the third chapter of Revelation, you won't see the word church mentioned anymore. And we are in an age to the next thing that we are looking at, depending on your view of the rapture, whether you're pre-trip, mid-trip, post-trip. I mean, you might be like, what does that mean? Your pastor can explain that to you. But <laughs> but, but, <laughs> got you. but, the, but, but the, I'm looking for the rapture as the next thing to happen. Whenever that happens, I'm not going to get into too much Bible prophecy, but whenever that happens, that's going to be where the church ceases to do its thing and it's with God and then God switches to his next agenda amen and so so let me say this one through three we see where the church we don't have as much time as we think we have a mission and we have to accomplish that mission to do work for the Lord okay me and Timothy on our way here we were talking about this and it was so profound to me that I may not fulfill my entire mission before I die and go to heaven. It's my goal to do that, but I might not do that. Here's what I desire. If Jesus came back today, obviously I wouldn't have fulfilled my mission because I'm just getting started, right? But I'd rather when he comes that I'm working. If I don't finish it, that's okay. As long as I'm working when he comes. I'm, I'm working on finishing. So, so we have to be working to finish our mission. Amen. We have to be working. So we receive encounter from the Lord. And now it's our job to start releasing it, to start winning people to Jesus, Amen. to start getting them filled with the Holy Spirit, to start getting them delivered, to get, to get them set free. That's our job right now. And the truth of the matter is we don't have all the time in the world to do it. So we got to do this now. So Jesus, knowing that he gave seven um, warnings or seven even statements to the church. And we know these. We know these when we go through this. The first church is the the church of Ephesus. He says, I know your works and 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 you're doing uh, you're doing some amazing things. But here's what he says. You've forgotten your first love. Okay. the first thing God wants to tell us is 
don't forget your first love. Don't forget that Jesus is the reason for it all. Don't let the platform erase that. Don't let the ideas of success erase that. Don't let the ideas of, of, of you becoming big erase that. Keep Jesus first. Yeah. Keep him first. It, it, listen, he calls us to himself before he calls us to the world. Amen. So keep the priority of your devotional life. Keep the priority of your love for Jesus. Let that be number one and God will take care of the, the rest of those things. So keep, keep your first love. Somebody say keep your first love. Number two, he talked to the church of Smyrna. And here's what he said. He says, I know your tribulations, your poverty, the slander of those who say that you are Jews and are not, but are synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer because the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested for 10 days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Here's what I want to say to the church. The second thing, stay faithful. Keep God your first love. Number two, stay faithful. What we are finding out today, and I'm telling you something, we find, we're finding this out through this pandemic that God is revealing true Christians and false Christians because trouble is a revealer of who you are. It's easy to be, it's easy to be you know, hata, shata when things are going good. But when trouble comes, that's when you find out who's the real. And we might get persecuted for our beliefs. Y'all are having church right now, and you might be persecuted for having church right now. There are churches in other states that are being threatened for the pastors to be put in jail. They're threatened that they, because they're trying to serve God. And, and we may be those same people. My point is, stay faithful, even if it costs you your life. Now, we don't see that in America a lot, but we have brothers and sisters all around the world that this is very true to them. It's not necessarily like that for America because we have such great rights and, and it's awesome what we have. But what if it was taken from us? It could very well be taken. And if it is taken, God says, stay faithful because trouble is going to reveal who's real. Amen. So number one, number one, number one, keep your first love. Number two, stay faithful. Number three, get rid of uh, this is uh, Pergam, the church of Pergamum. He says this. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Yet you hold fast to my name. You did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness. Verse 14. But I have a few things against you. Some of you hold some of you there hold the teaching of Balaam. Um who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel that they might eat food, sacrifice to idols, and practice sexual immorality. And some of you have also held to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. And here's what it says. Anything that's false teaching, we got to get rid of. We have to be a people today that is straight down the middle in the word. It's not what I feel about the word. It's what the word feels about the word. Amen. We, we live in a time to where every, and I was saying this to my church the other week, we live in a time to where we are like Adam and Eve in the garden and the, and the serpent is saying, did God really say that? Yep. That's right. And we have to be people say, yep, that's exactly what he said. Amen. That's exactly what he said. Amen. So, so anything that's false teaching, we got to get rid of it. We, gotta, we just got to stick true to the word because I'm telling you guys, the enemy is trying to find every kind of way for us to disbelieve the word or dilute it this way or dilute it that way. And all of a sudden, we don't have any backbone. We can't stand on anything because it's whatever you feel. And so, so, so one, first, keep our first love. Two, stay faithful. Number three, we have to get rid of false teaching. Anything that is false, we got to get, let me, let, me give you a, let me give you a form of that. There is no scripture that says the gifts stop. The gifts are still here. <laughs> are y'all with me? You know, there's no, there's no scripture who says that, you know, one day when, when, when the Bible is canonized, there won't be any more gifts. The Bible didn't say that. Amen. And so we have to make sure that let me say this much. Your experience might be true that you haven't experienced certain things that the Bible has said. Yes. But because you haven't experienced it, it doesn't make the Bible false. Yes. It just says, God, you got to do something in me for me to get that. Yes. Amen. I'm the one needing to adjust and not the word. The word doesn't have to adjust. It's us. 
And so, so, so if I haven't experienced it, I dare not bring the Bible down to my experience. I bring myself up and die to self so that I can experience God. Are y'all with me? I love y'all. Y'all are. Y'all talking good. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, so here's what you don't do. Don't bring the Bible down to your experience. Let me give you an example of that. How many of you have told people that if you trust God, you'll go to heaven? I mean, we, go to, we get saved, we go to heaven. Well, we haven't experienced that. Should we say, well, I don't know if heaven is real because I haven't experienced it yet. See, see, see I, have to, I have to elevate my thinking to what God has said. And I know that I'm going to get to heaven even though I didn't experience it. I, I hadn't experienced it. So don't bring your experience down. I mean, don't bring the Bible down to your experience. You come up in your, in your thinking to how the Bible says. Amen. We have to get rid of anything that's false. That now, in order for us to get rid of false teaching, that means we got to get in His Word, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we got to grow. We got to grow in study, studying the Word. The Word is that important to us because if we don't know what's true and false, it's easy to get caught up in it. Yeah. You get me? So we got to study the Word. We come to church, be encountered by God. But when you on Monday, read your Bible. And when you're on Tuesday, read your Bible. Have a Bible reading plan that you just read the word and get it in your heart and get it in your heart. All right, number, let's move on. Number four, we have um, the church of Thyatira. He says, I know your works, your love, and your faith, and service, and patient endurance. But here's what he says. But I have this thing against you. Tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food. Sacrifice to idols. Number four, we got to kill Jezebel. Kill, let, let me say something. I found that Jezebel is a spirit and Jezebel is not just a female. I have had men in my church embody this spirit. Jezebel, are, Jezebel is a spirit that seeks to manipulate, seeks to control seeks to say, I want it this way, or I'm taking my tithe. I want it this way. I, listen, I had a person, a, no, true story, I had a person that threatened to leave the church when I became the pastor. We have, a, we have a, a downstairs and an upstairs balcony. And we didn't have enough people to fill the bottom row, and we had people all in the balcony. So I was like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to shut the balcony off, and we're going to get the bottom row filled up. And, you know, one person said, well, hey, listen, I tithe. I deserve this seat up here. So if I was to say, hey, we're shutting the balcony down, I either have to let you keep the seat because you tithe. Because if I take the seat, you take your tithe. Ooh. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's called Jezebel. It's called do what I want or I'm leaving. In this, it's, it's also, hey, look, you know, don't touch this secret sin because if you do, I'm leaving. And so we have to get rid of Jezebel. Yep. Anything that seeks to control the things of God, we got to get rid of that. Yep. When, 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 when Elijah killed the prophets, Jezebel said, oh, trust me, as you've done, I'm going to kill you. No, 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 we can't be afraid of that spirit. God is going to cause you to mm, God is going to cause you to do some works that's going to destroy the work of the enemy. He's going to cause you to do some things that's going to save people that others didn't want saved. He's going to cause you to flip some money changers over and some tables over. He's going to cause you to do things and Jezebel is going to raise their head up and say, "Uh-uh, stop." You're going to say, "No, no, 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 no. We're going to keep going." We're going to keep going. And so kill Jezebel. Somebody say kill Jezebel. All right, next one, we have number five. And the angel said to the church in Sardis, he says, I know your works, your reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I, found, I have not found your works complete in the sight of God. Number five, we have to wake up. Now, I realize I'm saying all this, and some of this might relate to some people and others. It might not relate to others. But here is, here, here is what... What, what, what my, my ethnicity, you know, my, my people, we, we talk a lot about being woke. <laughs> we talk about being woke, and, and, and I know a lot of people who are of the African-American, you know, they're, they're leaving the church because they feel like the church isn't woke. 
because, you know, Jesus, you know, his hair was, you know, like wool, and so he was really black. <laughs> and it's like, no, that's not being woke, because when we read that in Revelation, his hair being like wool, it actually said it was white like wool. <laughs> so maybe he was an old black guy. <laughs> but his hair is like wool, but, but what they didn't read, his eyes were also like fire. And his tongue was like a, a sharp sword. And his feet were like burning bronze that came out of the fire. It wasn't about him being black. It was about him being God and about him being a judge. And, and, and the writer who saw that Jesus didn't remember him that way. When, he, when John saw Jesus and walked with him in the earth, he remembered as Jesus being the carpenter and the Messiah. But when he saw him in Revelation, he says, I fell as though I was dead. Something was different about Jesus when he saw him. And so we're not talking about an ethnicity. We're talking about God. He, we're talking about how Jesus is showing himself in a different manner. So anyways, my point, it says, wake up. We can't be asleep in this time. We can't be asleep in the time that we're in. We have to be woke. We have to be discerning. And I'm going to tell you how to be woke. It is to have a prayer life. Yes. Your prayer life causes your eyes in the natural to shut, but your eyes in the spirit to open. Are you with me? We walk by faith and not by sight. So, so, so our prayer lives is what's going to cause us to stay woke in this time. And God is going to say things to you before things happen. That's really who are woke. Those who are really woke understand what God is saying before the world gets it. Amen. So stay awake, stay awake, stay awake. This is good. L number six, number six, he goes to say to the church of Philadelphia, he says, I know your works. Behold, I set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power and you have yet kept my word and have not denied my name. Listen to this. God is about to open a door for someone. God is about to open doors because you have been been faithful and listen to this this church is to receive the blessing somebody say receive the blessing receive the blessing listen god oh he he gives reward to those who stay faithful and this this is a time to really prove to god and to really show god that god i want to be faithful in this time this ain't the time to 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 watch church online when you can be in the house this isn't this this isn't the time, you know, to take a break in church because we got this pandemic going on. No, this is it's, it's overtime right now. We're in overtime. We got to work double right now because people are hurting and people are confused and people are scared and they don't know what to do. And we have the answer. It's in Jesus. But what we can't do is we can't take off right now because everybody else is taking off. No, we got to stay on. And for those that stay on, for those that keep the grind, he's saying, you've been faithful and I know that you're weak. I know that things are hard. I know that things are, 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 are not easy. God didn't say it's going to be easy. He didn't say it was going to be easy, but here's what he does say. Because you've been faithful in this time, I'm going to open a door for you that no man can shut. Some doors only open when you are faithful when everybody else is faithless. Some doors only open when you are consistent, when everybody else is up and down and in and out. It's when you are consistent, God knows I can trust you. I can trust you with more because you're faithful in a little. Oh, man. Last one. Last one here. He goes to say to the church of Laodicea, he says, I know your works. You're neither hot or cold. Would that you would either be cold or hot. He says, if you, because you're lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now listen to this. He's saying, choose to be hot. I love that being on fire for God is not an automatic thing. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. Oh my God, it's a choice. And let me say this to you because I, I'm, I'm feeling this in my spirit. You will go through types of fires in your life. Being on fire for God. There is an open flame and then there is a smoldering flame. And if you've ever, you know, like had a, had a bonfire or you, you know, set logs and, you know, when you 
put that fire to those logs, it's an open flame. Everybody can see it. Everybody can feel it. But after those logs have set over time, all you have is now hot ash. It's hot. Now, now watch this. It's just as hot as that open flame was. And the only thing that those ashes need is... And if you put wind on those flames, it'll be, you put wind on those ashes, an open flame will come again. And so <laughs> here's what I'm trying to tell some of you. You've been hot for a long time and you've been consistent and you've been on fire for a long time. Don't think that your flame is always going to be open. Sometimes you're on the backside. You're, you're serving in the back. Nobody knows you and nobody sees you. Nobody pays attention to you. But you're just as on fire as the person who is on the stage. You're just as on fire as the person who's on the stage. You're fire doesn't have to be visible before everybody but but your fire can be in the in the secret place with God don't nobody know what you do don't nobody know you wake up in the morning and pray and and walk around praying for your pastors and walk around praying for your church and praying for your city but God knows it so choose to be hot choose to be hot because if you don't choose to be hot the devil will make it up for you to be cold Life will make it up for you to be cold. You can go get a cup of hot coffee from out of there and put it right up on this thing and it'll only be hot for a while because there is other forces working against it. You have the AC and this, the, the climate and the atmosphere in this, in this room is working against the cup. And watch this. The climate in this room is actually being powered by something. The coffee in the cup doesn't have anything to sustain it. It doesn't have its own environment. It doesn't have a power source. And so whatever is in the cup, it's only as hot as long as it's in there. So when you get on fire for God, you're going to have to stay. I know y'all talk about plugged in. You're going to have to stay plugged yes. in to God. Yes. Your fire never has to run out. But watch this. If you get a touch from here and don't plug into anything, the atmosphere around you is powered by the kingdom of darkness and it will cool you off. So you got to choose. You got to choose to stay hot. You got to choose to stay hot. Stay plugged into the power. Hallelujah. Stay plugged into the power. Stay plugged into the power. Stay plugged into the power. After these, after these statements that Jesus gives to the church, he doesn't speak to the church anymore. And from chapter 4 to the rest of Revelation, it's no longer to what we know as the church. And so we have a work to do. We got to keep our first love. We have to, too, stay faithful. Without number three, get rid of false teaching. Four, kill Jezebel. Five, we have to stay woke. Six, we need to receive the blessing of the open door. And number seven, we have to choose to be hot. Now watch this. After he does that, God is going to take John into another, a whole nother phase because he's about to show him some things. Encounter church you're always going to be a people that God is going to show things to. And some things that God is going to show you is going to be positive and good. But there will be times where God will show you things that are actually terrible. And the reason God shows us things that are terrible is to prepare us so that we know how to deal with it. God showed Noah something terrible that was going to happen. And the Bible in Peter says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He was telling everybody something terrible is coming. It wasn't his job for, to make them believe it, but he, he, had, he told them anyway. And so what God showed him, something terrible was going to happen. So what did he do? He built the boat, right? And obviously that boat saved him and his family from the things that God had showed him. So John is about to see some things that are going to absolutely terrify him. Chapter 5, or chapter, or chapter 5, he sees a lamb on a throne, and that lamb is able to open the scroll. And when he opens the scroll, the scroll has seven seals on it. And each seal that's open reveals the tribulation. One seal opens up, and war happens, and 
a third of the earth's population killed. All these doom and gloom. So he get to first seal, second seal, you know, all the way to the seventh seal. And on the seventh seal, seven trumpets came. So now we got seven more dooms. <laughs> trumpet one, trumpet two, trumpet three, all the way to trumpet seven. When he gets to trumpet seven, seven bowls are revealed. Seven more dooms. And he's seeing all this stuff and he's terrified. Now, let, let me be honest with you, because here's the sobering truth. Those dooms are literally going to happen. The tribulation will be seven years of the world's greatest agony that we've never seen before. It's going to be poured out on this world, on everything that has not chosen to receive Jesus. It's a, it's a sobering truth. But I didn't come here to, you know, paint a sad story. <laughs> I, I, I want you to see that there is something that's coming. And what is coming is greater than what this world has ever seen before. And it's something that it, it can be terrifying or comforting. Comforting because Jesus has saved us, therefore that's not for us. Terrifying because those who don't receive Jesus, this is something that I don't even want my, enemy, my worst enemy to receive. So remember, this is why we have a work to do because we don't want anybody to receive that. All right? So, so but, but watch this. Look at Revelation chapter 4 because... Before God shows John, this is the meat of what I want to tell you. Before God shows John all of this doom and gloom, he shows John how big his God is. Yes. When you know how big and how great God is, you can go through anything. If God told you this bad thing is about to happen, but you know what? I got you. Just look at me. As great as I am, just keep looking at me. That's why I call it look, church, because the more we look at him on the throne, the more we're going to be able to get through the things that's coming. What happens to believers is we take our eyes off of him and we put our eyes on the things. And we come to God talking about how bad our things are when God actually wants us to leave him and go to our bad things and say how bad our God is. God, this is happening and it's so horrible. He's like, I know. Tell your problem how big I am. So let's look at Revelation 4. It says, after this, I looked. And he showed him all the stuff about the church. After this, after he showed me all these things, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here. Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. Seated on those thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was as were a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne on each side of the throne are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second like an ox, the third, the face of a man, the fourth, like a creature, uh, the creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them having six wings and full of eyes around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. In the translation, in the Passion Translation, it says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who is the was and who is the is, and who is the one to come. come on. It's powerful. I love it. <laughs> so so, so what, what is this about? He sees some things. And I want to help you to remain, to, to be able to keep your encounter, to be able to sustain how to keep encountering God. Because we're going to need to keep encountering God. 
An encounter is just not a one-time thing. It should be a lifestyle. Amen? This has to be life. It can't just be a one-time event. We have to keep encountering the Lord because we need to keep his voice. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We have to keep hearing him and keep visiting him and being around him. So let's look at how to do that. Um, Before John sees the unfolding terror of the end times, he is most comforted with the power and majesty of our great God. This is an encounter we must keep before us. The image of a great God, we have to keep the image of a great God who's seated on a throne before us. Listen to this. How do we even come into encounter? Number one, he says, come up here. How do I, pastor, how do I receive an encounter from God? Come up here. He says, come up here and I will show you things. Listen, to come up here in order to see and encounter God, you have to come up. And the word come up means it it, it literally can be translated like leave where you are and come to where I am. See, I can never encounter Jesus trying to make Jesus come into my space. I have to leave my space, my comfort, my desires and go into his space. I can't see the kingdom while trying to see it in things of this earth. I got to I got to take my eyes off this stuff and put my eyes on that stuff. I think I think Colossians goes to say, set your affections on things above and not on the things of the earth. Right. So he says, come up here, come up here. You have to come up in order for you to see what's next. You got to go up. You know, think think of this real quick. If if I have a tortoise right here standing next to me, a turtle standing next to me. We are standing on the same ground, but we are seeing from different angles. What he sees is just right in front of him. I see what's in front of him and what's beyond him because of the, the, the height and the vantage point in what I'm looking at. When we're living in this world, we're just trying to see things through the lens of human perspective. And that's not good enough. God has to take us up to, into the spirit to see from his perspective. Could you imagine standing on the top of a mountain looking down to a city versus you're in the city looking at the city? The, 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 the perspectives are different. You can see a whole lot more when you're up higher. So if, you, if you're going to encounter him, you're going to have to come up. Now, the question is, how do I come up? How do I leave this place to enter that place? Like a child, you have to allow him to take you from what you think and give and give you what he thinks. The word of God is your elevator up. The presence of God is your elevator up. Worship and prayer is your elevator up. You want to get up, start worshiping. You want to get up, start praying. You want to get up, start getting into your Bible and say, God, speak to me. There is a way up into the heavenlies and we don't have to get into some rocket ship. All we got to do. In fact, really one way we got to do is go down. Amen. So come up, he says. Now, listen, he says, behold, a door was standing open and the first voice said to me like a trumpet, come up here. He says, I will show you what must take place. Now, look at verse two. At once I was in the spirit. You cannot have encounter with God in, with earthly tools. It's in the spirit that you're going to have this encounter. I've learned this. The things of God is not primarily received in our intellect. It's received in our spirit. How do you tell 12 disciples, go take these jars of water so we can make wine? Intellectually, uh, <laughs> I don't get how that's going to work. How do you intellectually tell a man, come walk on this water? <laughs> There's 5,000 people out here. How do you intellectually tell 12 men to take two fish and five loaves and put the people down so we can feed them? We, we need some money, Jesus. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, we don't. So the kingdom is more received in your spirit than your intellect it's received by faith okay so so the things that God shows us is in the spirit one time I was I was I was driving my car and I was um this was about two in the afternoon we have youth this was I was a youth pastor at the time we had youth at six six p.m so it's about two o'clock I'm at a gas station 
and this big semi-truck pulls up next to me. It has like a real flatbed with these huge chains on it, right? And these chains look like they're big enough to hold, like to be an anchor for a cruise ship. Like it could hold a cruise ship down. These are humongous chains. And so I see this and I'm like, wow, that's interesting. And so we're, we're pulling off and this truck begins to, you know, it's moving a little faster than me and it's driving down the road. And something in my mind just said, wow, God, you're taking chains from something. I left it at that. I, I just kind of just whatever. I just, you know, because sometimes we can be real deep. When you're prophetic people, everything is God, you know. So, so, I, so I'm like, well, I don't know. Let me just kind of just leave that alone. <laughs> we went to service that night, and um, we're in service, and everything is fine. It's only like 15 of us in a room. We're, we, we're in a room like this. We got chairs. We're in a, in a group. And um, the, one, of the, one of the pastors of the church bring this lady in. And she's like, hey, we really want to pray for this lady. So we end up praying for this lady. And then um, she ends up saying, you know, I'm so envious of you guys because my son is about y'all's age and he's in prison. And he's not able to really be a part of something like this. And I feel like I failed him. When she said that, that vision of those chains came back into my mind. And I said, do you mind if we pray for you again so we took her on the side and and we said that I know this is a huge weight in your life and and she began I mean as soon as we started talking about she breaks down I mean she's like y'all know that ugly cry you know (laughs) she got the ugly cry like she like she's 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 tore up but that same thing that I saw I could look at that intellectually and say "Eh," or I can look at that and receive that in my spirit and say I know you're speaking to me and I'm looking at now, go tell that to somebody in the world. They'll think you're crazy. But when she came to the church and got prayed for, she got something that was lifted off of her that at this, because she felt that she failed her son. She felt like she didn't bring her son to church early enough. So it was her, it was her fault while he was in prison. And it's like, no. So my, my point is the things of God are received in our spirit. So he says that come up here and he says that I was in the spirit. We have to encounter God in the spirit and everything is not going to be in the natural. Encountering him is through the spirit. And sometimes our intellect robs us of receiving the things of the spirit. And sometimes you just have to say, even though I don't get it here, I catch it here. I don't get it here, but I know it here. And sometimes that little knower is better than your mind. Amen. So he says, he says, I was in the spirit. Come up here, he says, at this, at once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven. Listen to me. There's a throne in heaven. There might not always seem like there's a throne in in America. Like, who's going to be the one that's going to lead us? There's a throne in heaven. You know, who's going to be the best president? There's a throne in heaven. And if you get a glimpse of that throne in heaven... It's going to help you to navigate yourself to whatever is going on down here. There's a throne in heaven and the one on the throne. What was he doing? Was he standing? Was he was he was he pacing? What's going to happen? What's going what's going to happen? You know, kings don't necessarily do this unless there's a problem. Right. But the Bible says that, behold, there was a throne in heaven and the one who was sitting on the throne. God is not pacing trying to figure out what's happening in your life. He's seated and he's calm and he's not in anxiety and he's not wondering what's going to happen. He is so calm that he's he's sitting down. So if we're going to encounter God, you're going to encounter someone who's not frustrated. You're going to encounter someone who's not trying to figure out what's happening with your life. He has this thing all worked out. He has it under control. Now, what does that do for you and I? When our life looks like this and it's racing, if you would focus your eyes on the one on the throne, you would realize I'm in good hands. No matter what's going on, I'm in good hands. No matter what's going on, I mean, all the chaos, all the drama, no matter what's going on, I'm in good hands. If I'm going to encounter him, I got to come up. If I'm going to encounter him, it's going to be in the spirit. And when I'm in the spirit, I'm not going to see somebody pacing and see somebody all freaked out. I'm going to see a God who's sure. He's sure. He's a king. He's seated on the throne. Boss. Ain't worried about nothing. Ain't afraid about nothing. 
Jesus told his disciples, hey, let's go to the other side. And the disciples were like, okay, yes, let's go. Right? Because they with Jesus. And Jesus does things to you. I, I'm telling you, I believe Jesus was a prankster. I really do. I really do. I believe he had a great sense of humor. You know, y'all remember the road of the, 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 the two guys walking on the maze? He disguised himself. <laughs> and he's like, what y'all, what y'all sad about? You know, Jesus, he died. I mean, he's, Jesus is the one talking to him about Jesus, and he's letting them cry their souls out. <laughs> you know, like, and I, I, believe he was, I believe he had a great sense of humor, but he tells him, let's go to the other side, and Jesus goes into the bottom of the boat to sleep. Now, he knew a storm was coming. And the storm has happened. He knocked out and the disciples are like, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to perish? But Jesus was calm. Every storm, Jesus is calm. Every circumstance, God is calm. You're always going to encounter a God that might tell you what's going to happen, but he's calm as he's telling you because he knows that he has everything you need to get through the storm that you're going to go through. The one you're encountering is God Almighty. He's not God Almighty in certain areas. He's God Almighty in every area you can think of. So he goes to say, come up here. I was in the spirit. There was a throne in heaven. And the one who was seated on the throne. I love that heaven isn't empty. It's occupied. There's, you know, your foundation is that what you can stand on for sure is that God is a confident God. He's all-powerful. I, I, I love this about God. I'm, I, I know I'm getting ready to close up here. He's a confident God. And he's an all-powerful God. And this is, what he, this is what we know about God. He is omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. He's omniscient, which means he knows all things. What problem do you have that God has to learn about? He has to learn and figure out a situation for your problem. No, no, no. He already knows it. What, 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 what person that God can't use you to set free because he's all powerful? What task can he not accomplish? And watch this. We also know that he's omnipresent. The same God that's in Africa and, and other countries doing miracles is the same God that's present right here in Encounter Church. What can he not do? He's everywhere, present everywhere. Not just in location, but he's present in your past to heal what happened to you. Yeah, yeah. He's present in your future to lead and guide you. And he's, pres- uh, he's present in your present to lead and guide you now. And he's present in your future to let you know this thing going to work out. Have hope. I don't care what you're going through. I'm with you. Even in your, even in your future, if God could speak to you from your future, he'll tell you everything is going to work itself out. We have that God that we serve. We can get some music so I want to get ready to kind of land this plane but he goes to say the one who sat that had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian and around the throne was a rainbow emerald and it's basically kind of John is seeing how God looked and he looked like a Jasper stone and he looked like a uh, a carnelian stones other translations say sardis and jasper is like crystal and diamond and and sardis or carnelian is like a red a fiery red he's powerful he's holy he's he's full of passion and 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 here's what i love is that there was a rainbow around him that was made of emerald there was like a green rainbow around him and that rainbow says if some way you were able to get through this rainbow and get to me, if you did not have the blood of Jesus on your life, that holiness and passion and, 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 and fiery uh, power of God would judge you. But he put a rainbow outside of all that, that the first thing that you see about God is that he's a merciful God. When you encounter Jesus you're always going to experience his mercy. And his mercy is, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. What's deserving to us is that 
We don't even deserve to encounter such a God. But he has this mercy around him that says, it's something about you that I just have to come to you and I have to, I have to risk, risk my life and, and, and bring my son to die for your sins that you might be able to obtain my mercy, that you can, that you can experience me and all of who I am. And so I want to close this out by saying this. The whole scene of John chapter 4 is this picture, uh, Revelation 4 is this picture of this God on this throne, this great and mighty God. Thunder and lightning and flashes and, and all these creatures and, and all these emeralds, these stones and, and all, this, all this stuff that's happening. And, and it could almost be a little confusing if you kind of read like, what is this about? But you start realizing how great and how mighty this God is. And John the last thing John sees is there are four creatures crying out around the throne. They have six wings and on the front of their wings and on the inside of their wings are eyes. And they're crying out. They've been singing this song for all of eternity. One song. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was. John was hearing that God has been holy. He's been the Lord God Almighty in future past. John is hearing that he's the Lord God Almighty in the present. And John is about, he's hearing that he's always also going to be the Lord God Almighty in the future. John, whatever you're about to see, John, keep this thought. He's the Lord God Almighty who was that you read about, who is that you walked with, and who will be that you're about to see things that you've never seen before. John, don't forget, this is the encounter, John. Remember how big God is before you see all the trouble that you're about to see. Encounter church, remember how big God is before you see anything else. Remember, he's the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and who is to come. When you encounter God, you're always going to see a God that's so great and mighty. And the reason he wants you to see how great and how mighty he is, because the things that he's calling you to do are going to be scary to you because they're so much bigger than you. And he wants you to know, no matter what, keep me your first love. No matter what, stay faithful to me. Stay woke. Why? Because what I've called you to do is so much bigger than you. And when you start getting like, oh, what are we going to do? Remember, he's the Lord God Almighty who was. The God who helped Moses part the Red Sea is the God who's going to anoint you in counter church. The God who helped Elijah call down fire on all the prophets of Baal is the same God. He, that one who was is the same God that's going to anoint you to win lost souls to Jesus. The God who is, the God who is, he is that same God. There's nothing different about him. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that's living in you. Listen, don't forget that that God is the same God with us now. He wants to do amazing things in and through your life. Remember, you receive encounter so that you can release an encounter. And some of you today might need to receive an encounter. While others may, be, may need to be anointed to release an encounter. Let me say something to you. For those who have not received an encounter, this encounter is going to change your life. You can't encounter that God and be the same. So the Lord wants to mark some of you this morning. The Lord wants to encounter you and do things in you that you, listen, whether you're ready for it or not is not the case. Do you think Noah was ready to see a worldwide flood? No, but God didn't wait to, in fact, Noah didn't even know what rain was. Noah, I want you to build a boat because it's going to rain. Okay, God, awesome. What's rain? The encounter that God has for you it's not something that you intellectually understand. It's something that you in your spirit receive. 
you don't, a woman doesn't have to understand how to get pregnant to receive seed. Because she doesn't see the pregnancy in her mind. She receives it in her womb. And the things that God wants to impart to you, he's not looking at your intellect if you get it or not. He's looking at, do you have an open womb to receive what I have for you this morning? Would you stand? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.